Hello, I'm Meg Walker and welcome to My Kind of People. Join me as I speak to leaders and community members across the world who all share a passion for positive change. Each week we'll explore the power of community, leadership, passion and positivity and the beauty that can be created when these values come together. Each guest has been a big inspiration to me and I'm grateful to call them my kind of people. I hope they'll be yours too. I'm so excited for us all to connect really soon, but until then, I'm sending big love, good vibes and positive energy. Who are your kind of people? In this episode, I'm excited to introduce you all to Amruta Kashem Kalyani, who is the sustainability advisor and founder of Sustainability Tribe. Sustainability Tribe is UAE's pioneering sustainability education resource. Over 11 years, Sustainability Tribe has changed mindsets by raising social awareness, inspired climate actions and has gone on to become an urban grassroots movement. During this episode, we will get to know more about Anruta and Sustainability Tribe. Her work is simple yet vital and her sustainable lifestyle hacks are both relatable and achievable. Amruta has not only been practicing sustainable living before it became trendy, but has also helped encourage businesses to make their own sustainable transformations. I'm so grateful to welcome her into my community. She's definitely my kind of people, and I know she'll be your kind of person too. Welcome to the podcast, Amruta Kashem Kalyani. Hello. Hey, thank you so much. Such a lovely introduction. And thanks for having me uh, here. Oh, you are so welcome. You really are. Thank you so much again for coming onto the podcast. I know the listeners are going to find a lot of value in what you have to share. Because since discovering your blog just over a year ago, I have personally been so inspired by your passion for sustainability and making sustainable change a more accessible option for people. It really does make me feel hopeful for the positive impact that this will have on our world, both now and in future generations. But before we learn a little more about Sustainability Tribe, I would love for the community to learn more about you as a person. So where have you grown and flown? Where did you grow up and where would you consider home now? Yeah, so my hometown where I was born and uh, where I grew up, is named Nasik. It's a a kind of a smaller city in India, Maharashtra, state of Maharashtra. And it's a a beautiful city, farming dominated. It's nestled between the mountains. There is a beautiful river. And uh, I think all of this, all of my journey is kind of uh, the root is in the place where I am from, because I have had such a close to nature kind of upbringing. We used to buy vegetables directly from the farmers. And I had no idea that farmer's market is going to be the next big thing (laughs) in future. (laughs) And uh, yeah, there are so many lovely memories. Our weekend pastime used to be going to some mountain, doing a bit of hike or going to the river. And there were no big malls or, you know, it was not really popular for shopping or anything as such, the city. So yeah, I'm from there. And after I got married, I moved to Dubai in the UAE, now completely opposite kind of a city, popular for its high life, popular for shopping, lifestyle, 
And when I moved to Dubai in early 2006, at that time, I was very excited, uh, a big city, career-wise, a lot of great um, opportunities. But I really missed that simple, close to nature kind of lifestyle I had previously. So this is where basically my story starts. <laughs> Amazing. And where in that journey from India to the UAE did you start to develop your passion for sustainability? Has that always been something you were passionate about? When did the sustainable aspect become a main focus for you? Uh, so unknowingly, I was already on this journey. Mm-hmm. I kind of figured that out later on. But like I mentioned to you, growing up, I was very close to nature. I enjoyed going to, you know, forest, going to mountains. And we used to do this tree planting things. And I would say mainly because my parents, they were very charitable people, I would say. So it was there in the family. When you grow up with that sort of a thing, you don't realize because it's there by default. Mm-hmm. But when I grew up, I became adult, I realized that this is something very special. And this is where my personal urge of, you know, um, raising awareness and doing something for the society is rooted there because I have seen my parents doing so much. Mm-hmm. So, for example, my father used to sponsor kids for education. And there is a lot, honestly. Uh, people always used to come to our home for help, and our doors were always open. Now, in terms of sustainability, I did my mechanical engineering. So I graduated and in my last year, I chose the topic of energy conservation and management. And I think the seed was there for this career. Now, sustainability or sustainable development, I was not aware at that time at all. This particular, I would say, phrase word was very, very less known at that time. So I never heard about it while I was doing my engineering. But this is what I did, and I specialized in energy conservation management, and I moved to Dubai. And when I started my career, it's very funny. My first job was in oil and gas, (laughs) because (laughs) this is (laughs) uh, Dubai, as we all know, or UAE, Middle East, uh, Gulf, is uh, the main business, especially at that time, was oil and gas. Mm -hmm. And my first job was that. I did that job for a few months. And I realized that uh, this is totally going against my own philosophy. I was good at work, uh, good at delivery, but I was not very happy with that. And I thought, uh, because being a mechanical engineer, you, at that time, there used to be only few opportunities, like prominent few opportunities in the UAE, either oil and gas, or you go in construction business. And so I thought oil and gas is not going to work with me. But at the same time, there was this movement started uh, rising in the Middle East, especially in the UAE, that green buildings and, you know, energy efficient buildings, slowly, slowly, people were hearing about it in the field. Uh, The engineers were talking about it. And I thought, ah, this makes sense. This is definitely that that will go with my uh, expertise or specialization, energy conservation management. And I would love doing that. So I realized uh, maybe I have to make a switch. I have to find a job or I need to start working in the field where I would actually enjoy my work. I won't do it just to earn money. (laughs) Mm. And then within a few months, uh, I basically did the switch. I basically studied to become a certified sustainability consultant. 
And I'm one of the first few in the Middle East who are certified sustainability consultant. It was a lead uh, USGBC lead AP certification. And I did that. And my uh, career as a sustainability consultant started. That's amazing. So inspiring. And when we said you were doing that before it was trendy, you really were. It was just a way of life, but you maybe didn't have the terminology for it until recently. Correct. And yes, wow. To go from gas and oil to sustainability consultant, that's quite the leap. It's pioneering and so impressive. Why do you think sustainability is such an important contribution to the world? See, I would go a a little back. Let's go back to, let's say, around 150 years. Okay. So, (laughs) yeah. Ready. (laughs) So, go a little, like, far back. So, around 150 years when the Industrial Revolution happened and entire economy around the world started becoming a capitalist economy. And before those 150 years, life was pretty much more sustainable. So we, as a human race, we are very much used to living sustainable, honestly, before that. But when the Industrial Revolution happened, the capitalist economy established. And when this model started working really well for a few very, very rich people, and most of the people who are aspiring to be one of those rich people, It was working well for very few, but other people, they were definitely aspiring for it. And this is going on since last 150 years. So even now, this is the case. And what has happened during this particular time, since the Industrial Revolution and the establishment of capitalist economy, we are basically taking so much from our planet because all the planet's natural resources are for free. Earth doesn't charge us to create coal. Earth doesn't charge us to create oil uh, or any natural resource. Yeah, it's there for free. And our industries are basically taking it more than the earth can replenish. And this is what the biggest or most important thing we all need to understand. That we have been for 150 years, we have been taking so much from the earth that the rate of taking natural resources is not matching with the rate of earth replenishing its own natural resources. And that's where the climate change and all the instability in the natural ecosystem started happening. So loss of species, there are so many different aspects of it. Uh, I don't want to go into all the details. I can talk about that for hours. <laughs> but climate change, loss of species, food scarcity, because our now food system is, again, a capitalist food system. It's not really naturally. We are not naturally growing organic food everywhere. Our eating habits are like we are eating so much processed food. So entire our lifestyle, our education system, our lifestyles, as well as our career, our jobs, Everything is designed to meet the capitalist economy. And that's why it is so very necessary to actually get away from it, be innovative, and try to find that balance which was there, the harmony which was there before 150 years, try to find that balance. And definitely we need to have the development, we need to have economic development as well as 
all other technological and all other development, but we need to find a right balance of keeping up with that development without really harming our natural resources as well as our society. So society as in, you know, uh, a hint is it has to be fair wages, a fair culture for the factory workers and all of those issues I'm talking about. I'm touching like a big umbrella, basically, because sustainability is about environment as well as society. And they both are very important pillars. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Essentially, in the last 150 years, the level of consumption has climbed to a rate that we can't keep up with. I also really appreciate you bringing society into it because it's the balance between society and nature that is not working and is a huge issue right now. It's things like we are consuming so much, which is putting the demand up, Then they need more workers, which company owners then don't pay a decent wage to workers. And that's when people then start cutting corners and things like that. So I really appreciate you putting the two together because I think people often miss that. Yeah. It's not just simply our usage of things. And you were talking earlier about being so inspired by your culture and your parents growing up. Did you have anyone else that particularly inspired you? Was there anyone that directly inspired you to strive for positive change? Honestly, I would definitely say that it's more of a culture where I come from. That was the biggest inspiration. The funny thing is, not just my family, most of the people in that particular city or in that culture where basically the social circle I was in, most of those people were doing the same thing, like, you Mm. know, not buying processed food. Honestly, even in terms of toiletries, like, you know, I I mentioned in one of my video and my tribe, like so many shocking comments came from my tribe is I didn't use the store-bought shampoo till I was near to my adult life. Yeah, because I used to use soap nuts and uh, the shikikai and my mom, and she was a working, uh, she was a working mom. But Mm -hmm. she made sure, and not just me, but like my relatives, my cousins. And I have to say one thing here is I was not really understanding at that time that this is something special. I might have as a teenager or as a kid might have even complained (laughs) that no, my other friends are doing this. Why I'm not allowed to do that. And, you know, things like those. And after I moved to Dubai, I saw a big city where how to put that in right word, because there are a lot of great things that are happening in Dubai as well. But in terms of sustainability, when I was here in 2006, it was mainly the consumption and the city is blooming. And I didn't really find anything sustainable at that time here. And I was like, oh, so what I had was very special. Uh, That was kind of a good morning moment to me. Yeah, it's often only once we come away from something that we then realise how good it was. And I certainly would have loved to have grown up in your hometown. It sounds absolutely incredible. The community aspect, how loving and caring of each other you are, but also for the planet. And your mum especially sounds like a very special lady. Oh, yes. But I have to say one thing here is, 
even the things in my city when i was growing up what beautiful things were there they are not there anymore because the city grew and the development happened and honestly when i go back now and visit it the river is not as clean there is plastic everywhere so i would say that culture what i saw myself while growing up uh, is lost and mm-hmm. i am sure most of the people around the world would say the same that when they were growing up that culture and all of those things are slowly slowly lost and after a while when you're all grown up and you take a pause and you look back and you feel like oh where is all of that especially after having my son i realized it very strongly because mm-hmm. i thought okay maybe i'll take him back home and show him all of that and i suddenly started noticing that oh it's not there anymore and uh, th- that's the problem of unsustainable development i would say uh, where it, it happened almost everywhere apart from very few i think selective countries or communities for example bhutan or costa rica are popular for being very sustainable in a way so i'm just guessing that in those communities or in those maybe there must be some pockets you know in different communities where it is still there but the sustainability kind of lost <laughs> yeah definitely it comes back to that balance again doesn't it i find it very sad to hear and think about but i also find it hugely motivating too and it's inspiring to speak to people like yourself who have seen it work you've seen it work and how it can be and now the real work is for us to try and kind of get back to that stage or as close as we can to that as we now have the challenges of having bigger populations than ever it's about trying to find that balance in this new normal and i do think it is possible do you think there are any misconceptions when it comes to sustainability and what people think that involves oh yeah i can actually cover a lot of misconception from my professional perspective as well as the social educator role so i would just go back to the time around you know early let's say 2008 2009 when i was was working on sustainable development projects like buildings and master plans in the uae where the design and construction everything has to be sustainable according to the standards or codes or sustainability rating systems like usgbc or the local ones and we always had not just then even now professionally i don't just work in the built environment field but i also help different kind of businesses to make the business more sustainable but even then and even now everyone feels that sustainability is like extra cost and when are we going to get return on cost when we invest this much money for sustainability and what's the use for us blan blan so i would say and then that is one thing because i want to give the answer which should which actually is universal not just for industries but also for individuals yeah on the other hand when we are talking to people or you know changing mindset or raising awareness and urging people to start living more sustainable people always feel that sustainability is expensive that is one misconception people think that it's a lot of investment and i don't know is it worth it or not so in terms of that i would say for industries or for individuals 
sustainability is actually not expensive because you have to look at sustainability, sustainable living or investing in sustainability for your business. You have to look at it in the long term. The short termism, the short term thinking about sustainability is never going to work because it's, it's not that you put the money and you get to see the result in one year, two years, or it's not that. Now, in terms of business, I would say is when you are investing in sustainability, you have to give it some time. And in the long run, you would see that you are actually started saving money because you implemented sustainability for your own office. Mm-hmm. If you decided to make your office more sustainable, you basically implement all resource efficiency principles, uh, energy efficiency, water efficiency, etc. And at the time when you are doing this project of retrofitting, you might feel that, okay, there is some investment. But in the long run, let's say 15 years or 20 years or so on, Basically, you are going to save money on your water bills, on your electricity bills. But not just that, you would also have an opportunity to use all of those efforts to market yourself, which is added advantage. And there are so many such things which are interlinked. Now, for people to live more sustainable, I would say, okay, maybe first thing I do not really, I never really say that to people that go and start investing in reusable right away. Don't do that. Start living sustainable first if you have plastic containers at your home and today you decide that, okay, I want to start living sustainable. I'm not going to ask you replace all the plastic containers and go buy glass jars and steel jars or whatever. Don't do that. Whatever you have right now, start reusing it. Try to use whatever you have right now till the end of its life, till things are actually breaking up. Recycle them and then only slowly, slowly invest into more sustainable, reusable long-term products. But even when you invest into that, what is the biggest advantage you would get is your life is going to be more healthy. And that is one part people miss out. Living sustainable is very much living healthy. It's like investing in your own and your family's health. So every time you're choosing to buy something sustainable, because generally sustainable products are always made with natural material. Uh, they should be as much locally produced. So, you know, uh, I'm really talking about a very high level or umbrella kind of sustainability here, not going into details. But in the long run, you not just help the environment, not just help the society. Like, you know, when you're buying ethical fashion, you support the local small business or you support workers. So not just that, but you also choose to be healthier in the long term, as well as there is one important factor we all need to understand is when we are doing something good, it helps your mental health a lot. There is a study by Harvard University about happiness. And in that, they are talking about what brings the happiness most. And a few important things is helping others like, you know, doing good and also connecting with people. So kind of, you know, a part of your sustainable lifestyle, leave your devices away and talk to each other, spend quality time with your family instead of shopping, do something good. So, you know, the sustainable lifestyle or sustainability, we have to look at it holistically. It's not just environment. It's not just society, but it's also your own wellness. It's also your 
society which is uh, you know more tolerating towards each other and all of those actually things come under sustainability oh so beautifully said and articulated thank you so much for that and yes it's so important one thing i talk about a lot on the podcast and one of my main motivations for it was that i believe you will never find people happier than when they are talking about something they are passionate about Because you are connected to something, you feel so much happier because you feel good about it. And I think that's exactly the same with sustainability. And so often, like you said, I see people only thinking about the short term. They're looking at it only simply as, well, it's either this price or this price. And this one is more expensive. So no, thank you. And they're not actually looking at what are the long term benefits. People are not realizing that maybe the cheaper option may end up being much more costly in the future in ways that they didn't even think of, not only because of the environment, but maybe also because of the quality you'd need to buy the product five times over. Yeah. Again and again. And also, yeah, your own personal health and having this constant need to consume. There are so many studies now about how humans are often trying to chase this hormone, this happy feeling where we get a happy buzz off something for a second and then we're constantly chasing it. Especially in a world where we now have social media and advertisement is everywhere and marketing is everywhere. I think you said it so well. We absolutely need to look at the long-term gain as that's going to bring us so much more in the long run. And I love that you talked about health as well, because I think it does have such a big impact on our personal health. And I don't think people often make that link. So thank you for doing that. And as we previously mentioned, you are the founder of Sustainability Tribe. So please could you tell us a little bit more about this? When was it founded and what do you hope it can bring to the world? Like I mentioned previously that I uh, started working as a sustainability consultant in the UAE around 14 years now. And my early few years, because I was one of the first few, so this kind of a like, you know, position or profile was completely, people didn't know that what is sustainability. Even the word was so alien to people that people had no idea. So at work, In my first job, because I'm an expat in the UAE and we all get the visa at work to be able to work and live here. And they were not sure what visa it has to be because the word was, uh, they were trying to find synonym of sustainability in the Arabic. (laughs) Because Arabic is a language uh, here uh, for working for the visas and all. So it was very, very memorable and interesting experience for me that people had no idea the first organization I was working with, the top management said, can you please write your job profile? Because we don't know what you're going to do. (laughs) And, you know, those sort of things. And why I'm telling you all of that is people had no idea what sustainability is. Now at work, my job was to educate the professionals, top management, stakeholders, people who are supposed to work. Like my job was to educate them and get the work done from them. And people used to think that sustainability is going to be just a few documentation. Amrita is going to sit there, write a few reports, and job is done. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, no, it doesn't happen like that. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going to interfere with each one of your jobs because sustainability in any organization, in any industry sector, it is always touching every aspect of the business. So at that time, I was working in the construction business. And so I'm like, if you are designing the building, okay, I'm there to interfere. (laughs) That's my job. (laughs) If you're uh, purchasing the product, I need to approve because they need to be sustainable. If you are installing on the site, I have to come there and supervise and check it. And people were completely, they, they went nuts because the construction industry was well established in the UAE. And they thought it is just going to be a bit of report writing and job is done. And then they realized that, no, this is going to change the entire way they have been working. And I was really very young girl at that time. And people used to say things like, you know, senior managers, like, you know, you were not even born since then I'm in this business. And I'm like, yeah, I totally understand. (laughs) But please let me do my work. (laughs) So the awareness was almost zero. And then I thought it was a huge struggle for me at work. Many different layers and many different levels of struggle. And I realized that this is not going to work if people don't understand the basics of sustainability. Only if they understand, then only I would be able to do my job correctly and, you know, properly. And then I realized, so I used to do intense training to all the executives, but then I realized Socially, people used to ask me, what do what you do? And they're like, aren't you a mechanical engineer? Why are you doing this job? And, you know, all of those questions. So I thought maybe this is a great opportunity where I share whatever I know, because even if I was certified sustainability consultant, I was learning a lot on job as well, because those were first few buildings in the Middle East, which were kind of, you know, built and designed sustainably and all the other examples were either from US or Europe and things are different here. Weather is different. Everything is different here. So we were learning like, you know, me and a few people who were in this industry, only a few people. So it was a learning curve. And I thought if I'm learning something and if I know something, let me share it with a wider audience. And that's when I started a simple blog, a humble blog, And my goal always was not to talk about technical terms at all, because my idea was, let me simplify sustainability for everyone to understand, apart from where they are from, because this is a cultural melting pot. We have people from all over the world. So where they are from, what gender, what age group, what education level, doesn't matter. They all need to understand whenever they come to my blog because I realized that awareness is required and I wanted to build the awareness. So that was very clear to me early on that this is what I want to do via blog. So while I was working, I used to write this blog, simple things, how to be sustainable in your life. And slowly, early few years, people used to say, like early few months, I remember people used to say, why are you wasting your time? Who in Dubai is going to read about this frugal living and, you know, you're wasting your time. And I'm like, no, 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 I know what I'm doing. And I see that this is a huge gap and somebody has to do it. And I'm very, very happy, more than happy to spend my time on that. And I started this blog and it's been 11 years now because it was launched in 2009. So the blog basically went on to become the only media because all the other media's You could basically different channels of media, newspapers, radio channels, TVs, or whatever. In the entire Middle East, there was no such media which is dedicated to sustainability. 
And so it basically, the blog went on to become a media, sustainability-focused media. And it became so popular that even government organizations like Ministry of Climate Change of uh, UAE, they started inviting me to cover their press conferences or interview the Minister of Climate Change. And, and I was like, I'm an engineer. I have no background <laughs> in media. I'm not even a writer. My job is just to simplify. And I think that was the USB of Sustainability Tribe is I am a professional into that field. I know what I'm writing. And because I want to make it simple, so I could reach out to normal people, making them understand what is sustainability. So after becoming the media, basically it went on to become an urban grassroots tribe, like you mentioned. Mm. Now our tribe is very popular. So in all of this journey, basically, my son was born in 2013. At that time, I, I was already leaving sustainable. And that, that was the thing always happening on sustainability tribe. I was not just educating people, but I was sharing my own personal lifestyle with them. Because I thought if a simple person like me can live sustainable, I hope I would be able to inspire other people. Because mm. I would say, if she can do that in the UAE, then I can do that. So I was living sustainable, but I realized when I was pregnant that I'm not living a complete non-toxic life. I realized that. And that's when the idea of zero waste living came to my mind. Again, at that time, I was the first person in the Middle East doing that. So people used to say, oh, we don't serve in your coffee mug. That's not our policy. <laughs> no, we won't do that. That's not our... And in some stores, people used to say, oh my God, that crazy lady is coming here again. Now she's going to ask that. She's going to hold up the queue. And you know, things like that. I remember those days. And I used to be very patient. Every time I'm going to buy anything in my containers, I'm like, if that is not your policy, can I talk to your store manager? Can I talk to your supervisor? I don't want to complain about you. I just want to tell them why I want this. And I thought, Maybe this is a time to, you know, educate people face to face. But then in 2017, I launched the Zero Waste UAE initiative. Now that is, I have to mention it because it is one of the most successful initiative. Our hashtag Zero Waste UAE went viral. Uh, after that, so many small businesses opened up to provide the zero waste solutions. And not just that, the big, huge corporate businesses started like Carrefour. Uh, they opened the refilling stations in their chain of stores. That was wow. really something. Yeah. And that's how, like, you know, now this is a tribe where people from different walks of life, and it is not just in the UAE or Middle East, but my tribe is spread all over places. Like, you know, it was funny when you contacted me and you said, I found your blog one year back. And I really feel very like, it's a humbling experience when people reach out to you and tell you that, you know, I read this. Or when I'm, for example, outside somewhere shopping, let's say, in the grocery store. One of the time, a lady walked up to me, local Emirati lady, and she saw that I'm buying everything zero waste and little weird. Still, it is a little weird here. <laughs> but she said, are you the one who went to this particular school for a lecture? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, how do you know? So she's like, oh, so because of you now, my son is not letting me take any carry bags. And I'm like, oh, really? That is very, very, like, I was super happy to know that. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, this is the beauty of raising awareness and I think educating society. You never know how 
and whom you are inspiring and how that one person, like, you know, the kid is now changing the mom's habits or, you know, things like those. And this is what we need. We need that sort of a movement to, I think, bring back that harmony we were discussing. Hmm. Yeah, that's so powerful. Just wow. And you have inspired me endlessly. It's incredible. And for me, as a 27-year-old woman who lives in the UK, it makes me realize how privileged I am in that, yes, we are consuming more than ever, but it is also easier than ever to be sustainable for a lot of people. There are so many new initiatives, so many more companies are trying to show that they are being sustainable. We were joking earlier about you being sustainable before it was trendy, but it really has become almost like a trend now, which I am so glad for. If I was ever going to be on board with a trend, (laughs) it would definitely be sustainable living. But to think that you would have been seen as crazy or unusual to be using a reusable coffee cup when that's the to-do thing now. So I so appreciate your leadership efforts in making those small positive changes. Thank you for being a trailblazer and for making that path easier for people. You really have led by example and I think that's a beautiful sign of leadership and what a legacy to leave behind. I can imagine that was not easy to experience firsthand and at the time it must have made it very difficult and hostile in certain situations, especially at work. I think especially as women, we are often taught to be smaller, to stay in line, you know. So to hear that even then you were so passionate about it and that you stood your ground at work and said, no, let me do my job trust in what I can bring to the table and that it will have more benefits. I think it's just so inspiring. So thank you so much for sharing that and for doing that. It's beautiful to hear how your community has grown over the past 11 years. Not only has it grown, but it continues to go from strength to strength. What does community mean to you and how do you think the Sustainability Tribe community has changed as the movement has continued to evolve? Basically, I think people were, it started with a bit of curiosity and interest. Mm-hmm. So people started reading Sustainability Tribe, or I also am a speaker. I go to a lot of events and confer- conferences. I also do these sessions in the educational training sessions in the corporate offices, in the schools. People hear me sometimes and then. They are like, okay, let me see what is sustainability tribe. So that's how, and it is ranking very high on Google in a way for Middle East. So people do end up coming to sustainability tribe. And when they read, they kind of realize because my focus, it's an educational platform for each and everyone. Like you could be professional, you could be student, you could be housewife or whoever. And then they get to see that, okay, this is a family who is living this because I share all the small details like how do I do compost how do I do this Mm -hmm. that green parenting then also I cover sustainable travel because actually my husband and me we both are sustainability professionals so uh, yeah I think maybe that's why it is easier for us to lead this sustainable lifestyle 
we do not argue on that topic. We argue on others. <laughs> but, <laughs> can't have it all. <laughs> yeah, you can't have it all. <laughs> so whenever we travel, uh, we travel sustainably. Now that is another aspect which is very popular. It's only media in the entire Middle East which talks about sustainable tourism. So even locally, domestic traveler anywhere, like, you know, Europe, Asia, Australia, this is where we have been. And I have worked with different organizations. So basically, I educate and I also now help businesses who are doing something good because sustainability is also collaboration. Mm -hmm. So you cannot be sustainable yourself and world is not going to change because of just one person you have to do your part but you also have to work with others yeah so the collaboration is very important so I do collaborate with other businesses now uh, different ways of collaboration for me sometimes I work as a professional and basically I provide my sustainability consulting services any business want to become more sustainable could be their strategy or it could be their you know retrofitting or anything but if any business is doing something good, I collaborate with them. If they are actually doing some sustainability, uh, taking some sustainability efforts. Now, one other thing I want to touch here is you mentioned that sustainability is very, very trendy right now, which is a great thing in terms of awareness. But there is a different side of it. Mm. And it's not very good, which is greenwashing. Yeah. A lot of businesses are doing fake marketing fake sustainability they do a little bit and they exaggerate more and they say we are green now that is now next level fight we are having in terms of sustainable development around the world that people are aware they have to be sustainable but some businesses or some marketers are cheeky and they just are you know riding this tide of sustainability and not doing really good mm. or not doing something considerable so that is one thing I definitely have been focusing on sustainability tribe is I do not work with any greenwashing kind of a concept at all. Another thing is I am an expert myself. So I, when I help businesses to become more sustainable, if a company comes to me with their marketing strategy or whatever, I could immediately find it out that it is a greenwash or not. Mm -hmm. Generally, I always ask, send them a questionnaire and basically based on those answers, I know which is greenwashed and which is not. So that is one thing now I'm, I have been focusing a lot is not supporting greenwashing, letting my tribe know which is authentic, sustainable product, service or solutions. And I think what my community, basically what they get is they get education they basically understand and because it is based in Dubai, I give a lot of focus to Middle East focused sustainability because even though sustainability could be universal, it is it has to be different based on which geographic location you are in because your natural resources are different. Yeah. For example, in Middle East, we should worry much more about water because we don't have natural sources of water in Middle East. For example, UAE doesn't have a single river. So all of the water we use or potable water is manufactured and it has energy in that, used energy in that, because the seawater we take, we desalinate and we use it as a potable water. So every place has their own kind of, uh, you know, challenges, natural challenges. And based on that, their sustainability has to be defined. So I do focus because what happens, some 
uh, let's say American brand or business arrives in UAE and they say we are sustainable because this is what we are doing there. Okay, how come you are sustainable given our challenges in the UAE? So that is another thing we need to understand. How come your product could be more helpful to us? It could be helpful back home to wherever you are. So these are the things I do. And I think this is what our tribe appreciate a lot. Now, apart from the basic awareness and education, we also do community events. So the community events is basically free for everyone to join. I generally collaborate with brands so that I would be able to afford to create mm-hmm. free for all events. And now after the COVID lockdown, our community events have been online. So now we are having this global community event. November, I had a sustainable tourism community event and it was beautiful. We had a lot of experts and panel discussion. And that is another thing which we do on Sustainability Tribe. Now, one of the things which I'm working on right now, because a lot of people are coming to me or, you know, writing us emails, messages, whatever, that they want to do something more. Mm -hmm. So because our physical events are stopped, because previously when the physical events were there, we were not just having talks and, uh, you know, educational things, but we used to have hands-on activities. So it could be upcycling, it could be cleanups, it could be things. But now because of COVID is still kind of making things tricky, I'm now launching a new program, which is Sustainability Tribe Ambassadors. And it will guide people, they can pick whatever topic they want to pick, maybe they could be water heroes, they could be energy heroes. And Sustainability Tribe basically will hold their hand. It is an action-oriented program. So hold their hand, give them all the information, even the product suggestion has to be very, very sustainable only. And they would basically make it possible that they become water hero. They don't just feel like becoming, they don't just share something on the internet, but they actually become. Mm. So that's sort of an ambassador program I'm working on. And hopefully by the time we publish this podcast, it would be already available for people to join. So yeah, those are the things happening on Sustainability Tribe. Amazing. Yes, let's put it out into the universe that this program comes to be because it sounds like an incredible resource. I so appreciate the education aspect of your resource. I think education is so important because once we know better, we often do better. And I also think that we can be fearful of what we don't know. If people don't understand something, then they're usually more likely to be fearful of change because they think it's going to be more complicated than it is or too far out of their comfort zone. So education is vital in changing people's minds. And as the founder of the Sustainability Tribe, you are in a leadership role. What values have you looked for when creating your team? I would say values, one of the first thing which I do is never forgetting the ethos behind why did I start it, Sustainability Tribe. Mm. Because the primary aspect is creating this consumer movement. Because, you know, I look at sustainability from two different aspects. When we are talking about implementing sustainability, it could start with government policies, then it could come to corporates and businesses. And then other aspect is this consumer. Consumer Mm. can create a demand and then the businesses and government react to it. 
Now, professionally, I work with that aspect, the top to bottom. I work with the top. So as a consultant, I work with corporates or businesses making their business or product or whatever is more sustainable. But sustainability tribe is exactly opposite. This is where we inspire consumer to create this movement and use their consumer power to create a demand for more sustainable product services, even circular economy. So uh, Zero Waste Initiative is very much in line with circular economy. Mm. So I think these are the two things should always work and then only we would succeed in actually you know, bringing sustainable development. So never forgetting this, because what happens, like I mentioned to you, is a lot of greenwashing is happening. A lot of brands are there who put a huge funds into their marketing strategies or marketing campaigns, and they reach out to people like me, let's say. Or I don't call myself social media influencer at all, because sustainability tribe goes way back before social media actually came in picture. <laughs> but I see that a lot, unfortunately, on let's say Instagram or Twitter or wherever is mainly Instagram. I would say that there is a huge, this wave where there are these big influencers who have like millions of followers. But unfortunately, they are not really investing themselves in educating sustainability. They are passionate about it for sure. But being only passionate is not enough. You have to understand the basics and then stick to the ethos of your own idea. So, and that's where I would say the greenwashing is becoming very, very easy for companies because these influencers will very happily, because they would offer you money or whatever, these people will very happily promote and market. And that's why I have been touching this topic because from where I'm sitting or where I'm standing, I see all of these issues now, which are newer than, uh, you know, this is a new challenge for me mm. because 10, 11 years back, there was a different challenge. So never forgetting ethos. And that's why strictly like, you know, I say no more than I say yes <laughs> when it comes to working with brands. And of course, I will politely say no to them if it is a PR company. I Because PR, obviously, I don't expect them to know all the layers of sustainability. Then I even try to educate them why I'm saying no. And they do appreciate a lot because I always want to work with people because we all need to work together. But I make sure and I'm very, very precious about it that Sustainability Tribe needs to remain authentic and very, very reliable, credible source. And in no way we are supporting any greenwash product service or anything. So that is one thing is always on my mind. Secondly, I would say generally touch wood, we don't really, in 11 years, I haven't faced much of trolling or whatever. Mm. I feel that is not going to happen when so much thinking is given and my tribe knows what happens. But if something happens or, you know, I, I faced a few kind of, you know, internet criticism by obviously uh, people who didn't know much mm. but I prefer not to really get affected by it at all because I know why I'm doing it and there is a lot of thinking behind it and thirdly what I do is I prefer to take break instead of quitting mm. because I have been doing it for 11 long years and I want to keep doing it forever till I'm alive mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, that's my mission so I would say that if it is really difficult for me, I have work assignments, I have this, 
I'm totally fine being mute on social media, not publishing anything new on sustainability tribe. And my tribe knows that, okay, maybe she's vanished for a month or for a few <laughs> weeks and she's there, she's doing some job, but it's better to take a break than quitting because honestly, sustainability as a whole, because my job, my profession, as well as sustainability tribe, honestly, for me, it's my ikigai. And I'm very happy that I have found my ikigai. It gives a lot of satisfaction when you're working. It doesn't affect the other smaller less important things, <laughs> uh, the struggles, I mean. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it is my ikigai. And whenever I feel, you know, a bit challenging or low, sometimes we are all humans, but I basically look at that, that this is what the ethos and ikigai, and I shouldn't forget that. And I think it is keeping me, you know, energetic and still letting me work towards it. Yes, you are definitely energetic and still so passionate about it. I think that's excellent advice that you've given there. And yes, social media is definitely a new challenge, isn't it? And it's currently a way to do business for a lot of people now, rather than just being a social media platform. So I can imagine when that's your main source of income and brands come along and offer you a significant amount of money, the temptation would be there. And like you said, that's why it's so important to remember why you started and not steer away too much from your ethos. I personally think that today's youths are going to play a vital role in the future of our planet. And collectively, we all have so much work to do to help prevent further irreversible damage. I think when we see the news and hear from scientists about the potential jeopardy that the planet is in, it can all seem very overwhelming and be hard to know where to even start. So what would be your best tips in how to start creating a more sustainable lifestyle? My tips would be, you go to internet, social media, Google, wherever, and you're right, very rightly you mentioned, you get bombarded by so many different ideas, mm. and you get intimidated. Where should I start? One of the things I would definitely want to highlight here is Plastic has been given so much attention mm -hmm. and I, I totally hate plastic. <laughs> I'm not saying plastic is good at all. I totally hate it. I personally have a zero waste lifestyle and obviously plastic is the least favorite <laughs> material for me. <laughs> but when it comes to sustainable living, I would say focusing on plastic is actually kind of hijacking the whole cause. Why? Because when it comes to sustainable living, we need to look at what is the biggest impact I can create, each one of us, so that collectively there will be a very big impact. And in terms of impact, there are so many much more important things, not just plastic. Now, what are those? So I would say one of the most important is food. I won't really say that stop red meat. I understand might be difficult for you if you are eating red meat all your life if it is one of the important ingredient or whatever in your culture, I'm not going to ask you to stop. I'm not going to ask you to become vegan overnight. No. What I'm saying is think about your food and try to consume more sustainable food. So if you're eating red meat, definitely try to cut it back. Mm -hmm. So instead of eating it seven days a week, maybe try to have two days without red meat. Slowly, slowly practice. Because overnight, nothing is going to happen. What will happen? 
you would be very enthusiastic you would start doing something and after a while you will say oh my god i'm exhausted i don't want to do it <laughs> and i don't want you to do that i want you to start something stick to it make it a habit and create a lifestyle change so that's why start somewhere very small which is fine but start where you can create the biggest impact mm. so red meat is one of the big one i'm very very tempted <laughs> to <laughs> talk about why so quickly i will tell you why <laughs> so red meat is in terms of greenhouse gases greenhouse gases are the ones which are creating global warming which is creating cha- climate change so red meat is one of the biggest culprit of creating greenhouse gases mm-hmm. from raising cattle processing red meat red meat waste then the red meat storage and then it comes to you and then you consume it and then you throw away the waste so entire each level of this red meat production to consumption to disposal there is lot of greenhouse gases so that's why this is one of the biggest topic now not just red meat i would say in general reduce the meat any kind of meat try to have more plant based food if becoming vegan is difficult for you at least be vegan maybe once in a week twice in a month something whatever suits you and practice it and slowly slowly get to the next level so food consuming food and food waste huge huge impactful topic why because whatever food you are wasting all of that organic waste goes to the landfill and it emits methane gas which is greenhouse gas so every time you are wasting food you are contributing to climate change directly mm-hmm. and that is one of the biggest thing is food that's why i always start from food because that's where you create the biggest impact positive or negative so reduce your food waste then all your simple energy fuel water saving tips try to use more public transport walk more cycle more switch off when not in use water you know when brushing teeth all of those things which you know i don't want to tell you <laughs> but those are very important because they create a huge impact now in terms of impact food food waste these resource saving tips these are the ones that's where you should start mm. and then i would talk about consumption of course so just one sentence here every time you are buying something you are consuming something you are wasting something you are casting your vote so cast your vote for more sustainable habits be yes. mindful every time you do that oh i love that every time you buy something you are casting your vote that's powerful i really really like that thank you and again so well said and great tips to start because like you said going on the internet it can be so overwhelming and it can feel like everything is doomed and what's the point that's what i really appreciate about your resource as well you really do make it simple and accessible it's not this all or nothing attitude you promote that it's better to start somewhere or try something like you said if you have to keep red meat then could you just reduce your intake a little bit could you start there and my own journey has been an interesting one actually i became a vegetarian to start with by accident wow i would love to say that it was all just to be good to the planet and for sustainable reasons but actually i was working at a summer camp and i can't have gluten so usually 
anyone that had an allergy would have to get their meal out the back. And that's also where all of the vegetarian meals were. So whilst I was out there, I thought the vegetarian options looked great and it was all in one place. So I thought I'll just have the vegetarian option moving forward. And then two months went past when I thought I don't actually remember the last time I had meat at all or chicken or anything. And I realised that I didn't miss it. And when checking in with myself, I realised I felt so much better. So it made me think how much of my previous eating patterns were just out of habit and more about fitting in and doing the to-do thing. And from there, my journey has evolved. So since January, I've started a vegan lifestyle and that decision was something I took my time with as I think nutrition is very important. I'm also a personal trainer and I think that with sustainability, for something to really last, you need to take your time with it so you can keep it up. And it's also important to know what you're investing in. What are you casting your vote in, like you said? Absolutely. So my main concern was if I was going to be able to maintain the same level of nutrition and also because I need to eat gluten-free as well, I thought that that could bring some difficulties. It has surprisingly been really easy and it's actually the best I've ever felt as well. So yeah, now I'm on that journey, I've been doing even more reading around it and I'm realising how important food is for sustainability and I've been equally shocked by how important it is and how little we talk about that in comparison to things like plastic, etc. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. And the content that you bring out on social media is so creative. And I love that you provide ideas, like I've said, that seem easily achievable. You really do share such cool activities from self-water planters, making watercolours out of vegetable scraps, to zero-waste coffee. What have been some of your favourite sustainable activities that you've tried? And were there any activities that maybe didn't turn out so well? Okay, I will give the second uh, question's answer first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I remember a lot of funny things with that. Mm-hmm. So what happened now when I was mentioning about food waste? So one of the things which I basically, I was experimenting with the idea and then I wrote an article about it. So it's mm-hmm. a concept. So what we do is we follow empty fridge day. So, because what happens when you go for grocery shopping, Mm. what happens in your fridge, back of the fridge, a lot of edible things are there. I mean, everything is edible in your fridge, of course. But But generally, you know, we are not as mindful, like, you know, we urban dwellers. So what happens is we just go to grocery shopping because every Friday you, you go to grocery shopping, you know, things like that. This is particularly before the lockdown. I think this is very applicable before the lockdown. So in that case, I was doing the research. Every time I write something, I do a thorough research. I reach Mm. out to experts and find information. That's the engineer inside me, I guess. (laughs) So I actually came to know that in the household, which is a place where you waste the biggest quantity of food is your fridge. Mm. And I was like, oh, if that is a problem, then that's where we should work. And then every time I experiment things with me and then I put it out on Tribe. (laughs) So we started experimenting that let's follow this new idea, which was inspired by those 
cookery shows, which you get to see where, you know, uh, there are those secret ingredients in the basket. They, they, they give it to that contestant, they open it up, and then they have to figure it out with those ingredients, what they are going to cook. Mm-hmm. So I thought, ah, with our empty fridge day, because I wanted to make sure that before I go to grocery shopping every week or whenever, my fridge should be empty. Mm-hmm. So with the empty fridge day, we created this new idea that every the empty fridge day dinner, you have to bring out all those perishable food items, not the ones which can stay longer, but the pre- perishable ones. So bring it out, everything. And like, a you know, the, that cookery show, all those ingredients. And I used to Google because, <laughs> you know, and I actually learned so much about cooking, like, you know, Spanish dishes or this and that from around the world, because not necessarily all of those ingredients you use in your regular cooking. Mm. So I used to Google it. So what can I use? Why, where can I use? What can I make out of it? And not all of the experiments used to be successful. <laughs> <laughs> but because we follow zero food waste, so whatever it is, and you know, we used to make a deal with me and my husband. It's, it's okay if our son, Ruhan, if he's not able to eat, it's fine. But we have to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the thing where not everything was successful, but yeah. we are getting better. We are learning better. <laughs> we do sometimes combine totally different cuisines. So one dish could be Spanish, one could be Mexican, because those are our ingredients. One could be Indian, but you have to eat it like a brunch. That's brilliant. There used to be a TV show in England called Ready, Steady, Cook. And on the show, you'd have two teams of people who had to bring in an ingredient of their choice. And then the whole meal had to be created around that ingredient. And the audience would then vote on which meal they thought was the best. So one of me and my little brother's favorite activities to do together is to cook ready, steady, cook style at home. But our ingredients are based on what foods we have left to eat that needs using up. And whatever is left, we have to somehow make a meal out of those ingredients. A few times it's turned out not so great, but more often than not, we've been really surprised with how well the food has turned out. And it's so much fun to do it. It's really creative. We have to think outside the box and we also have so much pride in what we create at the end. It's exactly like you said, doing good feels good. It's really made us appreciate those meals so much more because we've put so much work into them and we feel great about having an empty fridge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, those those are the things which I wanted to mention that not necessarily every time it's successful. Mm. But in terms of what are our favorite sustainable activities is I would say Honestly, whatever I do with my son is I love love everything. (laughs) So, and the interesting part is because of our lifestyle, he is quite aware. I don't need to teach him things. And this is what I always tell when it comes to parenting or when people ask me in terms of green parenting. If you follow a certain lifestyle, you don't have to make your kids sit down and give them lecture. (laughs) You don't have to do that. They just see your uh, behavior or your habits and they pick up good things. So with my son is sometimes if my husband is like, you know, busy, not very mindful or whatever. If he's throwing something, my son is like, oh, daddy, you're throwing that. You cannot. And then you have to recycle or we then try to 
repurpose a lot of things. And it's very interesting when I'm doing things, doing activities with my son is he is so much more creative, I mm-hmm. think, being a younger generation. And then I think, oh, I didn't think of that. How nice, you know? <laughs> so that's why I said every time I do anything with him, I love it. Those are my favorite ones. And of course, honestly, this is not a great time to talk about, but I love traveling. We are not able to travel anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we have a family tradition. Every time we are traveling, wherever we are, we do cleanups. Everywhere we have traveled till now, we do cleanups. And sometimes we reach out to the local groups if we know, if I generally, if I find out something online, social media that, okay, this is where we are growing because we travel sustainable. So I generally always do the homework. So what are the environmental groups there? What could be, because we always try to include some volunteering work something, you know, nature-based experiences as part of our travel and we do clean up and it's fun. So I think that is one of the top most favorite activity I do every time. And honestly, every time we go outdoors, like even in Dubai, we go to desert mountains or anywhere, we make sure that we are cleaning up. And that is one of the things I would definitely highlight is It's really sad to hear because in November for sustainable tourism, we had people from all over the world, the speakers, one from Mm. UK, one from Indonesia, another from Switzerland. And everyone mentioned that since COVID, since lockdown and since international travel has been reduced, domestic travel has been increased a lot. Mm. And people are going to national parks and places, you know, closer to them. But the West thrown, litter thrown in the outdoors has been increased so much in 2020. And I don't know, I mean, people definitely need to know this. They basically shouldn't be using much single-use plastic. But if you are actually having your garbage, please bring it back to the base or to the place where you find garbage beans. Why are you throwing it here and there? And that's why anywhere we go on the earth, we always get an opportunity to, to clean up. I really hope and wish that the day will come where we are not able to find the garbage for our cleanups. Me too. Me too. It's such an important point. And I know there is a mandatory requirement for face masks at the moment in most countries. So for anyone who is listening, I really would like to encourage you to purchase a reusable mask if you can. They can be super fancy, they cannot. They can have your favourite thing on it. Maybe it can bring you some small comfort in these new and uncertain times whilst we're having to wear them. But let's please try and minimise the waste as much as we can. I think it's amazing, Amrita, that you've made it a family activity of yours. I love your attitude towards it and it shows that cleaning up doesn't have to be a chore. You've turned it into a bonding activity where you can spend time together and learn to appreciate your environment more. So thank you for sharing that. I think it's a great idea. Thanks for the reusable mask reminder. Amazing. Mm. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. It's something that I'm getting increasingly worried about and I'm seeing it a lot. And it links back to our discussion earlier about where to start. And I think that is a really easy place to start. The masks don't have to be super expensive. In fact, again, it's that short-term, long-term thinking, isn't it, of short-term, yes, a reusable mask may be more expensive than a pack of disposable ones. However, in the long run, it's going to be cheaper because you're not buying over and over again. 
One more thing is you could always support your very local business. I have purchased a few from ladies who started this little business after COVID to, you know, create good-looking masks, reusable ones. So there is also opportunity to support smaller business given the economical situation right now. It's a great thing to do right now. Yeah. Absolutely. And thank you for mentioning the need to support local businesses as well. Like you said, where are we going to cast our vote? Could we be casting our votes in more local and sustainable businesses? This podcast is called My Kind of People. It's about the people who are on my radar or in my community. And I hope to encourage people listening to look at who is in their community and doing good things and think about how can we encourage positive change further. Sustainability Tribe has grown so much and I'm excited to see how it will continue to grow in the future. What would you like your legacy to be and what do you think we need more of in the world? Yeah, now to kind of cover all of the things you mentioned is Mm -hmm. what I want the next stage of Sustainability Tribe is I want to create these ambassadors Mm -hmm. which for example people come up to me and they tell me that I have been reading your blog or following you for let's say whatever years and you have inspired me and I have made changes in my lifestyle and I want to create many such people Mm -hmm. (laughs) who are going to inspire others that is what I feel that is what you know legacy I want to leave behind it's sustainability tribe is not just about me and my family but it's about our entire tribe I want to create this chain reaction where first batch is inspired by us. Fine. You go out there and inspire more people. Then your next batch, you go out and inspire more people so that we can create this bigger movement, a consumer movement, let's say, or a grassroots movement where together we can have a much higher impact. We would force our governments and our corporates to bring the change because we will create demand for more sustainable infrastructures, sustainable products, services, whatever. That is what I feel that should be the legacy of sustainability, right? Yeah. Mm, Beautiful. We are definitely always stronger together. And I love that your projects are always so collaborative. I really do admire you so much, Amrita, and I'm truly grateful for all of the work that you are doing in the world. I think it is so important, and I've already learned so much from you having read your blog over the past year, and especially during our conversation today. I hope that I can use the information that you have shared to continue to make positive changes in my own community. I would love for more people to be able to learn from you, so that they can also make positive changes in their own communities. So how can they learn to do this? Where can they find you? So basically, I would highly recommend to subscribe to sustainabilitytribe.com because we send out the newsletters. Now our community events are global virtual, so you could join that. And then on social media, Sustainability Tribe is the handle on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I'm Amruta NT. That's me directly. And then on YouTube, Sustainability Tribe. So yeah, people could find me there. And yes, please join us on social media. Please share our post if you find it that because that's what our aim is. Inspire more and more people and making this movement bigger. Yeah. 
Excellent. So www.sustainabilitytribe.com and at Sustainability Tribe on the social media platforms. And I really do encourage everyone to check out your resources. I've gained so much from reading the blog. There are so many great ideas and they are simple and achievable as well. So a great resource to visit if you are feeling overwhelmed and not sure where to start. Before we finish speaking today, do you have any upcoming events or projects that people should look out for? I would be having events almost every month. Mm -hmm. haven't planned what is the next event yet, but yeah, generally every month or alternate month, we are having the virtual community events and Ambassador Program is our upcoming program. That's where I'm invested more right now. And basically, any new ideas or campaigns are coming up, we put it out on social media or publish it on the website. So, yeah, you would get to see that. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Amruta, for all of the wisdom and knowledge that you have shared with us today. Do you have any parting words of advice that have served you well that you would like to share with the community? I actually already said my favorite sentence (laughs) but I would just say one thing every action counts every effort counts together every drop you know we can create big ocean never feel pessimistic about climate change or whatever is happening in the world whatever good you want to see out there start from yourself and start slowly so that you won't quit (laughs) oh I have such a big smile on my face from you saying that One of my favorite coffee mugs that I own has a very similar saying on it. It's from a really cool small business in Bristol, England, and it says, every drop of water you drink, every breath you take, you are connected to the sea. So I love that you've just said that. That's come full circle for me. It's made the hairs of my arms stand up. That's so cool. Uh, you know, your uh, podcast name, my kind of people. And I really feel that we are really each other kind of people. (laughs) Oh, most definitely. I'm like, I want to be friends with this woman. (laughs) I want to paint watercolors out of vegetable scraps together. Who knows? (laughs) You never know. (laughs) If travel plans happen again, then maybe I'll have to pay a visit and we'll clean up and play Ready Steady Cook. How about that? That's the plan, sure. (laughs) Let's do it. Amruta, it truly has been such an incredible opportunity to speak to you and to learn from you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for the kindness and love that you continue to share with the world. Thank you for striving every day for positive change. Thank you for encouraging us all to take better care of our planet. And thank you for being my kind of person. Thank you so much, Meg. Thanks for inviting me here. You are very welcome. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of My Kind of People. I hope you felt the positive energy from this week's guest. If this episode was of value to you, then please rate, review and subscribe. It's so greatly appreciated. Thanks again.